Well, good morning to everyone. It's a special treat for me to be here. This is our, it's our fourth time here, third or fourth, I can't remember now. Came here the first time some years ago now, and I was looking back and I realized at that point I was still quite young in, in the Anabaptist world, and coming here, um, because we, again, some of you don't know my background, we don't come from Anabaptist background, and we were in Washington, D.C., attending a beachy mission, which was just three ladies left, and that was our entrance, and when we would come to churches, this is when I would learn, really learn a lot about the Anabaptist culture, plus reading and spending time with brothers here, and um, Seymour is one of the early ones, and then to come back again, it's just, it's a treat, and this is the first place I heard the hymn, The Lord is My Light, and yesterday when we were in the caverns, I asked if we could sing that, so we sang that, it was a double treat for me, so again, I'm here now, speaking, or teaching at the Bible school, my two classes are Communication Tools for Evangelism, Discipleship, and Sacred Church Building, or Sacred Community Building. The second class is Worldview and Media. It's been very good. Something we do, and we did it the last two years. We're not doing it quite as much this year. My wife and I like to ask students after, after supper, we sit and talk for a little bit, and some of you may have been harassed by us, and we like to ask questions because of our coming from a different perspective, and we'd ask three questions. The first question is, how did you come to Christ? How did you come to Christ? Oh, no. I mean, these young people try to get a heartbeat of how things, what their thinking is, and Second question we'd like to ask is, is uh, what's the difference between the old you and the new you? What's the difference? And then we'd ask, what are you doing to grow into a disciple? And this was not for anything other than just for us to get a heartbeat of what's in the, the youth, what's in their mind, and how are they thinking? And so how uh, maybe address uh, common answers to that later in the message here. But it's, it's a bit related to it. It's what led me to think about what to speak about in this message today. So I'm going to ask again uh, for the Lord's blessing. Let me just, let's just pray for a moment here. Our gracious and wonderful Heavenly Father who created us Sustain us, you you who are far more powerful than that volcano and far more quiet than the quietest, you who are the ultimate of everything. And Lord Jesus Christ, who came from the Father to live on the earth and then to then take our sin on yourself and then pay the price both on the cross and in hell to 
to make us righteous and, and to, to become yours, to, to win us to yourself. And you, Holy Spirit, who now indwells us according to the promise, promise of old, promise of Jesus, and uh, who teaches us and guides us and convicts us, we call upon you to be the one who really does the speaking and teaching today. Lord, I'm a man of fallen lips, uh, sometimes a man who bumbles and stumbles through life, and here I am standing before your people, and who am I to do this? So I ask your blessing so that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, if you're not working in me, and if you're not working in the hearts of all the hearts that are here, then I don't know what will be accomplished. So we cast our dependence upon you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we have a student in our lives, a former student of mine from the university. I teach at university. One student I had was failing the class I was teaching, miserably failing, not turning things in. And I went and had... I said, okay, let's go for coffee, and found out his mother had just died, and his father wouldn't let him drop out of school, and this is what was going on. Well, I helped him, and over the years, he's sort of become like our child. He treats Julie very much like his mother, and he's, I think he's finally starting to really get over the troubles of, of having to lose his mother at a young age. And one day he called us up and told us he had gotten a job. He was so excited he had a job. And we were, what's the job like? What's it going to be? And he said, it's going to be working in this, it's in the media business. And he was just so excited. And well, what's, what are they doing? Are you going to go? Well, no, it's going to be working from home. And yeah, great. They're going to be, I'm going to be editing. I'm going to do a lot of different things. And well, what's, what's the step? Well, the, he said what they did, they asked me to go ahead and buy a computer and an iPhone and get those and then mail them to them and they are going to um, put the right software and mail it back. And right then, everybody know what I'm talking about? Something doesn't sound right to both of us. Julie and I, we were, something didn't sound right. And that little voice, the little prodding for us that this is not, doesn't sound right, was very accurate. He lost it all. He borrowed money from his father and gone. He got scammed. He got scammed. Here's a boy trying to do the right thing. He was so excited. So excited he called us to tell us. We, and he, had, he lost about $4,000. Just gone. Just gone. Completely no way, we tried to figure it out. He sent me the website that, that he had started, that, that he had filled out the information. It took me, I don't know, took me about 30 seconds to unearth the fake nature of it. But poor boy, a trusting, trusting boy. Who here has been scammed before? Uh, keep your hands down. I don't want to know. But you know what it's like? whether it's like a deceptive like that, or you buy something, a tool. This is the tool that's going to solve your problems. You get it, you buy it, you get home, or you get your work. <clears throat> Didn't work at all. Or it breaks. 
Okay. We're going to touch on a little bit of this. Vulnerability we have to scams, not only in the from people just trying to get our money, or but also to taking a something which isn't right and to our harm. I want to turn to Acts chapter five. Acts chapter five. And it's, oh no, Acts chapter five. Yes, Acts chapter five. Yes, Ananias and Sapphira, which I told a friend of mine who's over in Scotland, I sent him a note. He's, I told him, oh, I'm gonna, I think the Lord wants me to preach on Ananias and Sapphira. And that's, oh, no. This is the oh, no chapter. I don't think we like it. Well, it's, I'm not going to go the regular route of trying to shame everybody into giving away everything or else you're, something bad's going to happen to you. We're not going that route. That's not the topic. So you can, okay, all right. But let's just read through. I'm, I want to read through this and then we'll discuss it here. Acts chapter 5. But certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought, us, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why, hath thou, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the, of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own and after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and after fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much? And she said, Yea, for so much. And Peter said to her, How is it that ye have agreed together to attempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold the feet of them which have buried thy husband at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth and buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard it. I'll stop there. It says later that no man joined them. There was a fear and going on here. And so I want to just examine this for a moment. And again, deflect the immediate conclusion we come to. But I want to look at something else. Let's put the context together that leads to this. So I'm going to briefly go over the context of what 
why this happens here. And it has to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the central issue here in this passage. First, we want to think about this. I guess I'm not going to go through verse after verse. I, I have a print-up of about 12 pages of the Holy Spirit sitting there next to the pastor here. And I, I don't have time. There's so much here, but I've got to condense it down. But I want to say the first thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit was promised of old. The Holy Spirit is promised of old. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit. We'll touch a little bit of Joel's. This wasn't this new thing that the Holy Spirit is going to be given. And we see in the Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit was upon people. Then Jesus comes, and Jesus explains and promises the Holy Spirit a lot. A lot. He's kind of obsessed with his Holy Spirit. Because you're going to get the Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you know, if I don't leave, you're not going to get the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit. Wait, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't count it. I think he talks about Holy Spirit a lot more than heaven. A lot more than heaven. He is John the Baptist. I'm baptizing with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. With fire. And then the, the death and the resurrection. Jesus comes back. And again he gets into the Holy Spirit. And finally there, the beginning of Acts. The end of Luke at the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. We promise of the Father, we, we think of the promise of the Father as Jesus. The Old Testament promise, promise of the Father. But you say, if ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. It's coming. And of course, they, they do wait there. And then in chapter 2, and I'm going to read a little bit more here because I want to get a little more in this context. I'm going to jump a little bit around in it, only for time's sake. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, this is the first fruits, celebration of first fruits. They're all one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing and mighty wind. And it filled all the house and they, when they were seating. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And that was noised about. The multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. 
And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, which were known for being kind of hicks, okay? Way out there in the country. How we hear every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. And he goes through the list of all the names. I want to bypass that. goes down. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What meaneth this? Others mocked. Others mocked. Right there. These men are full. These men are full of wine. New wine. New wine is the sweetest wine. The most potent wine when you just, you just produce it. Peter standing up with the eleven lifted his voice and said to them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known to you. And hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as ye supposed, seeing that it's the third hour of the day. But this is what I was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it came, shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on your sons and your daughters, and they shall prophesy prophesy, speak forth the word of God. Boldly speak forth the word of God. The young men will see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven and above and signs in the earth below and, and fire and a vapor and smoke and the sun shall be darkened and turned into darkness I'm sorry the sun shall be darkened turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the great and notable day of the Lord to come I a lot of people think that's the end of the world I'm starting to and believe more and more I think he's talking about 70 AD it says you see this more and more, that's something to think about later. But then that great statement, verse 21. Keep this statement in mind. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. He goes and explains, starting in verse 32, he gives now an explanation of Jesus And he goes through that you crucified him. This is, this is the God that David was pointing to. He comes down to verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what must we do? What shall we do? I think this is a great picture of the Holy Spirit in action. Holy Spirit. Now, by the word of God preached to them, the Holy Spirit in these men, the Holy Spirit now working, he gives them components here of the evangelical charge. Then, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus 
for the remission of sins. And you, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's over and over and over. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, those are synonymous, by the way. People tried to separate them all and it just had to do who was writing what part back there in 1611. For the promises unto you and to your children. Verse 41, and they gladly received his word and were baptized. The same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread. And fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders of the apostles. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, even as they had need. And they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor. And the Lord added to them. Okay, this is this Pentecost. I don't need to explain much except here. It's about the Holy Spirit. We know that. But what I wanted to get, that, that it's not some side event. It's not some, oh yeah. In addition, you, it added, oh by the way, get two for one or something. This is main focus of Jesus' mind. That you be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is serious, deadly business, this Holy Spirit thing. Now, I know the things that have happened out there. I, I went through, I was a new believer during the, I don't know how to call it, the trashing of the Holy Spirit, of the TV evangelists and the, all that. I spoke about that this week, last week up there. I'm not talking about fantastical, exciting, spectacular, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the indwelling, convicting Holy Spirit. I worry that we, we're not grasping what something that Jesus was focused on, focused on this. So in any case, back to the, the context. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to serve in miraculous Almost crazy ways. I talked to my students about this. Christianity's crazy. It's crazy. You read the things that happen from the birth of Christ, all the crazy things that are happening. And here, the Spirit comes down, and then these miracles, and it's crazy. I don't mean crazy bad. I mean, it's miraculous. Wild, and he's expecting. When you become a Christian, he's sort of expecting you to do this miraculous change, which the world looks at you, you're crazy. So the preaching goes on, the bodybuilding goes on, and people are being added. Then, in chapter 4, there's a healing, a layman healing. And it's, it's there at the, at the temple, it's there in the center. And the priests are not happy with this. The priests arrest the apostles now, and the disciples, whoever it was, they arrest them. Peter's there, of course. 
starting in verse 18. And they called and they commanded him not to speak nor to teach in the name of Jesus. The authorities now are involved in this. Peter and John answered and said unto him, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, judge ye. We cannot speak the things which we have, but we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go. Because they didn't know how to punish them. So then they go back. And report to the church what's going on. And I, I like to liken this as the, the first war council of the church. And I don't mean war that we're going to go and fight war. It's when they realize this is war. Up to this point, it's wow. Holy Spirit, we preach. People are becoming saved. Wow. The body's building. People are changing. They're changing their lifestyle. They're giving up their stuff. And all this is going on. It's wonderful. It's praise God. And then, boom, we start having opposition now. And they get threatened. I don't know if it was death, what they got threatened with. But they come back and the church is shocked now. There. They're shocked a bit. Verse 24 And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God and in one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Thou hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. They confessed to God. This is a confession. Who you are, God. Who by the mouth of the servant David. And I'm going to pass down here. They go through the, the pilot, the Herods, all the things that happened. And verse 29, And now, Lord, Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that we can have peace in the land. That we can have peace and quiet in our homes. That nobody will bother us. No. I believe by the indwelling Holy Spirit came out these counter this this great response here and now Lord behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word and also they asked by stretching out thine hand to heal that signs and wonders Lord that will help too we want that and this prayer meeting I just love this prayer meeting Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Does that even make us curious? And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were all assembled together and they were filled again. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the world the word with boldness. They spake the word of God with boldness. Wow. The response. Let me drop down a little more. Again, more giving up. 
giving up everything we have for this cause now. Nothing matters but the cause. They don't care about their stuff. This is what we see. They don't care anymore. Man, what, what do we need? Yeah, fine. We've got something far better than all our stuff. We've got cause and purpose. Supreme cause and purpose. We've seen it. He's in us. He's doing it. Let's go. And the, the final verse in that chapter, verse 36, and Joseph, who by the apostles' name was, sur was surnamed Barnabas, a Levite, and, uh, having sold his land. Having land, sold it. Okay. Laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so what's happened? All this has happened. This is all the context. What's going on? What Jesus had finished preparing us for is now taking place. He came to pay for our sins, to wash away our sins, the baptism, the water baptism, to clean us, to prepare us, to get us ready for what? For what? Heaven? I don't see heaven in here. What? So he could fill us with himself. So he could fill us with the Holy Spirit. The different terms. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's one, three, one. The Spirit of God. The whole purpose was that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit and live out the Spirit of God. Now. Action. Change. Difference. This is and Satan's picked up on it. And he's out to foil it any way he can. Try the scoffing. New wine. You're not filled with the Spirit. You're filled with new wine. Try the threatenings. Threaten them. That didn't work. In fact, it got worse. You know, there's a saying out there in culture. You probably heard it. If you can't beat them, you can't beat them. This is what we have. I'm... Who are these two people that come in? You know, it's sort of interesting that during our Sunday school here, someone mentioned, well, you know, there's always opportunity to repent. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Didn't have much time to repent, did they? Something was going on. It was serious. Not even. You know what? Done. Serious. Can't play around with this. This is, they, they played with fire here. They played with fire. Turn to Matthew 13 for a moment. I want to just go through this parable. One of the parables 
Matthew 13, verse 24. Sorry, I've got to look at this clock here. And another parable put he forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Okay, it springs up for time. I'm just going to, it springs up. What should we do? Should we pull it out? It goes, no, leave it. Then later on, they, in verse 36, after another parable, verse 36, and Jesus sent away the multitude and went to a house. And his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. They didn't get it. What is this? What is this? And he answers, verse 37, and he said to them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The word of God by Jesus. Yes, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the world. And reapers, and he goes through, they're going to be burned up. I, I push, I, I propose... Then Ananias and Sapphira, I propose this on our way of locking it down. I propose they were tares sent in to foil the, the church at its birth, at its birth. This is, this is almost like Herod coming in to get that baby and get out, go to Egypt, out, and foil them and they killed them. This is almost kill the church. I want you now to ask again this question. What's up with Ananias and Sapphira? I propose we have two, I, I call it a tale of two salvations. You've heard a tale of two cities? Let's, let's discuss a tale of two salvations. Now what I'm going after here is not an Anabaptist issue, Mennonite issue, a student issue. It's an age-old issue. And of course, we're detecting it a little bit. We detect it there at Bethel Bible School. And we detect it in our home churches, and we detect it everywhere we go. This issue, a tale of two salvations. The first salvation of which I believe Ananias and Sapphira bought into. It's a take care of yourself salvation. Take care of yourself. Get something for yourself. Save your skin salvation. And it's prevalent in evangelical and Protestantism, it's out there. You name it, it's out there. And it's the salvation that your flesh can handle. Your flesh likes this salvation. It's a good salvation. Because you get to keep most of your selfish desires. In this one, you get to keep it. You get to keep most of your vices, your sins. You get to keep them all. 
Oh, you've got to give up some of your impractical vices, like, you know, using bad language. Well, you know, that's not really good anyways. Not really good for your business if you are using foul language. And, you know, we as Christians, we should give up those ones. Yes, and lying, we shouldn't do that because, you know, people won't trust you. And that's good for your being a neighbor and all that. And, and of course, you know, who are you to, you know, the, 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 whatever the other sins, the intimacy, all those things, those, you know, let's get rid of all those things. And give up some of your self-seeking functionality. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you give up those to receive. It's, what am I getting? What am I getting out of this? Basically, love life and get all you can. And that's the salvation plan that's propagated. It's been propagated for the last 120 years in, in its fullness. I think it came out of the whole commodification of culture where they, the marketing business figured it out. The way to sell something is first create a need, then present a solution, and then give them the action. There you go. I, just, I don't need I don't need this gadget at all. Yes, you do. Let me show you how life is. If you have this gadget, it's going to change your life and make your life so much better. You need it without it. Oh, no, everything's so terrible. You, you all didn't get exposed like, like we did to the television commercials. That's all they did. They show you how, how miserable your life is without this gadget. Buy it now. And in fact, buy it right now. You get two of them. And your life is going to be wonderful. And this was predominant thinking in the marketing business from about the 1890s till now. And the church bought it. The plan of salvation is a marketing plan. They use truths. It's just they use truths and then arrange it in a way. And the plan of action is what Ananias and Sapphira's heard there all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's all you got to do is pray this prayer and you're saved. And the Anabaptist community, of course, has a, a correct bone to pick with people out there that think all I had to do is pray this prayer and I'm eternally, eternally secure. That's a correct, that's a correct bone. That's, that's, Correct. I agree completely. I'll, I'll pull it apart a little bit. We pull it apart. There's some other things we gotta. We can't throw out everything. Can't throw out God's sovereignty in this. This we're gonna touch a little bit on that. Can't throw out because that's what they did. They threw him out. That's one salvation. I'll, I'll, I'll add some things to it as we go along here. The other salvation not take care of your self salvation it's give up yourself salvation quite different give up yourself and your flesh can't handle that one your flesh doesn't like that one bit give up everything no the flesh is going no 
Do we have any other options? I'll take any other. No, give up everything. Give up your selfish desires. Crucify your flesh. Take on your flesh. Repulsive spiritual nature. Make your flesh do things that your spirit is wanting it to do. And it does not want. No. Even under war. Now your flesh goes to war against you. I don't like this at all. Look, Paul talks about that. It's a giving. Give to lose yourself and leave the benefits to God. Not even focused on the benefit. Okay, there's this funny thing that goes on out there where you have a job interview and then man, young man comes in and I want to work for you. Why do you want to work for me, son? Oh, because your vacation plan, you give 30 days a year. Okay. Why else do you want to work for me? Your health program, you're going to pay this much of my health program. It's going to be wonderful. Okay. Why else do you want to work for me? Oh, I heard you don't want anybody working past 5 o'clock and you want to make sure everybody's out and close the doors so I know I've got my evenings free. Okay, why else do you want to work for me? I mean, know what I'm talking about? Something's wrong there, isn't it? Okay, you're hired. That's the first salvation plan. Call on the Lord. Pray this prayer. Jesus, save me from my sins. I acknowledge that they told me to say this. I'm a sinner. Yeah, they, they, they're right. yeah. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Now pray, Jesus, I know you died for me. Now, yeah, okay, what else do I say? Now, um, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. You're saved. Heaven. For all the benefits. Now, later on, we go, well, you know, you, <clears throat> you should read the Bible. Yeah, yeah, you know the way you dress. The way you're living. What have we done? Okay, I call that a tear-raising experience. Not a hair-raising experience, a tear-raising experience. What are we creating? Are we creating Ananias' and Sapphira's? A portion of the students we've asked for the last three years struggle with those questions I give you, I give them, we give them. Not all of them. How'd you come to Christ? You know one thing? I don't think I've ever heard. That's a lot of students. I don't think I've ever heard. My wife will have to correct me. Maybe, maybe it happened, but I, I don't remember once. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit.
I saw how lost I was. I saw how much I needed Jesus. You know what we're hearing? You're hearing, well, I realized I was going to hell. I didn't like that. So I went to my parents and we prayed. What's the difference between the old you and the new you? Well, a lot of quiet. And I'm not faulting them. I'm, I'll give you a, a synopsis in a minute. I'm not trying to attack because I got something most wonderful that, that's come out of this. Really, my view of something else I'm going to tell you. But maybe it, I please. How can the Almighty, Infinite? holy, immense spirit of the living God. How big is that? How powerful is that? How important is that? How significant is that? That comes and indwells you. And there's no change? Brothers and sisters, how can that be? How can that be? Or little change. How can that be? It's, how can that earthquake or that volcano, bigger than a volcano, dwells in you? And, oh, well, there were a little, there was a little here and a little there. I don't see it. It's the spirit of God welling up. You're no longer the same. Do you know you're no longer the same? I see it. I'm so glad I'm not. Now what? Now what? Is the spirit exploding? Why isn't the spirit exploding in our people like it did 500 years ago? That's what happened 500 years ago. They got it. They got this. And then they got this. And then they got that. And the people came in in the thousands and thousands and thousands like that. Some reports, they may believe that the, the population of Germany was majority Anabaptists at one point. Because the Holy Spirit exploding in them. Now I... I will just do a... Just to give you a, a little bit of a, a positive, not to, not to make you think I'm after attack. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what do we do. My assessment of it after a few years here is there is something really, really good going on. I'm not saying it's all bad. Oh, no, we're leaving the Mennonites now. No, not at all. No, no. If anything... I'm, I'm here also to hang on, hang on, okay? I, 
I tell, I, I tell other people, what, what, what do you think about this? Well, my reform of life is I came from, I, I come from like the back of a garbage truck. I may have been behind a garbage truck, you know, and you get that whiff and oh, close the windows, uh, you know. Because of the way the world raised me, and because of false Christianity and so on, all this stuff, I was down there in it. You name it, I was in it. The wickedness. And then Christ comes to me, shakes me out of, out of it, and I don't even know why I'm repenting. I don't even know what repentance was, but I was going, no more of that. Oh, and I was going, no more of that. And I was, oh no, and it was, God help me, God help me. It's everywhere. How help me? I'm screaming out. I have nobody to help me. No mentors. Nobody by myself. Except with the word of God and the spirit of God helping me. Like I'm doing that well. My parents, what's wrong with you? You're sick. What's wrong with you? I go, I don't want that anymore. And so I, I come from the back. And my reform of life is like from there to there. And it's, it's like, wow, from that? I tell, tell young people where I was. You know, no way. We're, we're working with some Siberians that came to faith recently. Four years ago, they were not interested at all. Some of you already heard about it. We just had Bible study Friday night with them, and they're just, we we're trying to tell them, no way, no way, no way, yes way. But I look at what the Anabaptists, plain Anabaptists, have been doing that's good. I want to tell you this is really, really significant to me. We do get good messages from lots of them that say, what's the change in your life? And a lot of them will go, oh. Some, some of them will go, while, while we're thinking about it, they'll go, oh. Oh, I've changed in this way. And they'll, they'll get excited. Oh, they haven't been thinking about it. They've just been moving along in, in a good way. Their reform, my reform of life, their reform of life, Not as much. Why? Because of pastors and teachers and families. You've done it. It's, a, it's a unbelievable. The deflection of worldly and fleshly danger. It's fantastic. I, so I, I'm like, oh yes, don't let that go. Please don't let it go. But why are so many walking away from? Why are they walking away? What's going on? It's... I ponder this, that we might be giving him the wrong salvation. We're giving them the wrong tale of salvation. We're, we're borrowing what they have out there now. So when a child, young person, even a visitor, comes in and they go, oh, I heard the message. I heard our revival preacher heard this, I 
heard these things, and I, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm going to hell. What are we doing? Oh, well, all who call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. So pray this prayer. Sorry, I'm distracted for a moment. I'm the media guy, you know. All right. Sorry, I have lots of notes on this. Let me collect my thoughts for a second here. I call this second one, and I think that the Anabaptists have fallen a little bit into a trap on this. We, we got to just correct. It's a correction thing. It's not a throw it out. It's a, let's, let's, let's get this corrected. Are we not listening to the Spirit about the Spirit? Are we not listening to the Scripture about the Holy Spirit? When someone's questioning the spiritual things, are we giving them a programmatic salvation? Programmatic. Some of the people we ask out there, tell me about it. Well, how, how, what? Well... When I was 12, and we had a preacher, and I went to my parents, and then they had a class, instruction class, and then I got baptized. What about now? This is all confusing me. This is all confusing me. What do you mean? How did the Spirit... How is the Holy Spirit working? How, what's your daily interaction with Jesus? I, I don't know how to answer that. Programmatic salvation. Programmatic salvation. You get to a certain age or we're sort of expecting you to march along with the program. I'm sorry. Does the Holy Spirit get any say in this? Are we looking? Are we praying desperately for the Holy Spirit to grip our young people, our old people, grip us. This is what Jesus was looking for. It's not about getting heaven or avoiding hell. As much, that's part of it. It's not nearly as important as the idea that the living God would dwell in me. Who cares about heaven and hell? If I had the living God in me, I believe in heaven and hell. I mean, it's really, I mean, I don't like that at all. But I got something that overwhelms my mind. That the living God is using someone like me. Someone, someone like, like me? That's you. Why? Because just who you are, you come and you washed me away, washed my sin away, and then give me, I can't believe it. And also, you wonder why people have problems with assurance. If you, if you have never had a personal experience with the living God gripping you, shaking you, 
And then you having to wrestle through, going, God, I don't, I'm not yours. Oh, no, I'm in trouble just that. I just don't know who you are. And I have to find you. And, and praying and seeking. And, and then the Holy Spirit beginning to grip you more. And you go, oh, now I understand this. You mean if I call upon him? You mean if I repent? You mean if I believe on him? You mean if I obey him? That he's, you promise, and you start to grow into this. And then one point, after all this wrestling, you start to go, he's mine. He's mine. I know, I don't understand this, but I know he's mine now. Because it's the spirit that bears witness that we're the children of God. The spirit did it. Not our programmatic salvation. Or now we can say, well, did you pray this prayer? You pray this prayer. Well, then sign your name. You, you got the contract. No. You say, wrestle through it. <coughs> The Spirit bears witness. It's the Spirit that gives life. Do we even use that verse? You can pray the prayers all you want, like Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't have the Spirit, clearly. I appreciate the good intentions. I mean, who wants their children to die and go to hell? Anybody here? And so we get into this, okay, we, we get into this, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm way off my notes. Okay, I've got a lot. I'm just getting warmed up. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Is anybody following me? Let me know what I'm talking about. I, I speak out of concern. Not, I, I want, I, well, what does it matter what I want? I'm just trying to see what the Lord, why do you have me preaching this? Okay, let's, let's, let me just, I'll read through it for my thoughts. Starting at 3.30 this morning, okay? We have good intentions, but they might be flawed. We want safety for our children and our friends. We want a solution. Give them a solution. We're willing to believe in this programmatic salvation. We want to believe it's sufficient. To satisfy our fears. We'll take it. It's what's trashing Christianity out there. And we're borrowing it? What? If self-preservation and safety is our goal, we don't want hell. We don't want, we don't want hell. If it's our goal to avoid hell and secure heaven, we might well be securing hell as we miss the point and forego any further contemplation, development, self-sacrifice. And Satan knows this. He knows this. He knows it well. That's what he argued over Job. He goes, ha, flesh for flesh. He ain't going to follow you. Watch. Man's just concerned in himself. And man is. And you are. And you're concerned in a fleshless way for your children. All those things. Because you're still in the flesh. Born again. New spirit. Overruling that. But it's still there. And it's, well, we sometimes give into it. Oh, our flesh loves programmatic salvation. Easy believism just give assent to the need and pray the prayer for the prize. We're good. 
You know, I'm going to jump, jump ahead here. There's a girl I was working with. It's in our Bible study. And she was living, I didn't know at the time, she was living an exceedingly wicked life. I didn't know until after the event. She came to our Bible study for a while. And I had some time to explain to her some things. And I explained the programmatic, the Roman road, the, the salvation plan, the four laws. When she heard that, she was elated that she could get heaven by praying this prayer. And she did. And I was like, I'm an evangelist. Do you know what your life changed? So a bunch of us were on a trip. And I was sitting next to her. And so I started asking her a little bit. Well, what's going on with your faith? And it came out. Because I like the salvation plan. I got it. I like that. It's the follow Jesus part I don't like. I don't want to hear about that. I don't like the Jesus. I don't even like the word. She liked the programmatic salvation that's out there, the four laws. She, oh, I'll take it. That Jesus died for me, good. That he, but yeah. she, she could even take the conceptual of what Jesus did, but to have a relationship with Jesus and be someone who talks to Jesus, no. And she left. That was it. And then she later on told me, she told me more about her, the life she was leading. She went right back to this wicked life. Or she didn't even leave it. But she liked the programmatic salvation plan. She just didn't like Jesus. Oh, we like this programmatic plan. Especially if we dwell in a wonderfully developed and structured culture that produces fantastic benefits by controlling the adverse tendencies of the flesh. Safety, community, wealth, interdependence, proper behavior, all those things are wonderful. We want to keep our children in that. Now, this is the 1980s of Christianity. You're in the 1980s of Christianity. What it was like in the 80s to be in a wonderful community church and so on. The behavior was wonderful. The dress, the modesty out there, not, not like this, but it was Let me see if I can finish up here. So we wonder what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. I believe they followed the programmatic salvation. Imitate the Christians. Be an external copy of them. They were not filled with the Spirit. As we read, they were filled with Satan's lies. Satan's lies. All right, let me just close up here. I'll just close. If we've done this, as I used to do, I've had door-to-door -door salvations. Pray the prayer. They pray the prayer. We walk away. 
if we're doing that, if we're leaving out the conviction of the Holy Spirit, even in one of the last verses we read there in Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6, by the Word and the Spirit, we've left out, out, we've left out half of the equation. It's like getting your leg cut off and go run a marathon now on one leg. The Spirit, the Word of God, no, without the Spirit. No, both. If we've done that, or if you're, if you're one who, if I ask, close your eyes, open your, or close your eyes, raise your hand, if you sometimes doubt your assurance, it's a lot. There's a lot of it out there I'm finding. I'm not sure of my salvation. Why? Well, if you have bought into the programmatic, I see perfect reason for it. As opposed to the evangelical call, which is, call, yes, call, repent, believe, obey, all of those things, but to plead with God. Not command God. God, I accept you. What? He doesn't owe you anything. Nothing. I know what they tell you. He does. You don't. If he did, maybe he would have given Ananias and Sapphira another chance. He didn't owe it to them. He didn't owe it to you. If you're one who's doubting or you know people, maybe we need to return to calling upon the Spirit of God for him to be the one that bears witness with us that we're the spirit, that we are the children of God. I think we need to be a, alert to the scam, the spiritual scam. I went through a period of time where God wrecked my life. He wrecked it. He knows how to wreck it. Oh, he could be a he could be a wrecking ball. Some of you, he can wreck your life. He wrecked my life in many ways. This is some years ago now. But I remember in the middle of it, looking back and go, what am I, Lord? Lord, I was doing this. Lord, I was doing that. Lord, this is me. I was, I was, I was, I was. And I was doing the evangelist stuff too. I was, I was, I was. And then something dawned on me. A funny little statement I wrote down. It says, you know, Christ died for me so that I could have life. That's really good. Yeah, thank you, Lord. The problem was, I had not died so that he could live in me. This was his goal. I realized that. Oh, what is his goal? His goal is not to get you to heaven. It's, it's a benefit. His goal is to live in you like that volcano, living and moving. It can't, you can't have a volcano in you and be the same. You can't meet the living God and be the same. 
every case where you see people who meet God face to face, from Isaiah to, through, through Saul at Tarsus, when they saw the living God, life is over. It's over. I can never be the same. And we have people who come and accept Christ, and they're the same. Brothers and sisters, something, that's not right. The living God comes to live in you. You're not the same. You can't be the same. And if there does not change externally, then there's most likely not change internally. We've got to come to grip with this. For the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the future, for the sake of all these students are there, that are here, across the Anabaptist world, we've got to deflect this outward pressure to take this programmatic salvation thought and get back to the biblical, which is the spirit of God who gives us life. We preach the gospel, the ministers preach the gospel, and pray desperately for the Holy Spirit to work, to make the change. It's both. Amen? All right. Heavenly Father, I want to, right now, I already know, I've looked and I missed many points. I didn't express many points. Well, I already see that. Kind of knew it was going to blow it in some things. I know that. But I do ask, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that you would now help us. Lord, we're in a bit of tragic times. It's tragic to me when I see young people slipping. It's heartbreaking when I see young people coming out of such good to walk away from it. Lord, we ask that you would help us to get a grip on, on how you work by your spirit again. And that we will go back to full dependence on the spirit of God, making people alive and convicting and working. And we would not lean on our own understanding, but trust in you on, in everything, everything, Lord. Help us to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.